0: Welcome to Victor's Vignettes, stories about life in Soviet and post-Soviet Ukraine, by Victor Sergeyev of Nikolaev, Ukraine. I am Sergei Kaznagy in Toronto. When it came to music listening in Soviet Ukraine, we always had choices. We could tune in on radio receivers to hear soundtracks of the two available TV channels, the state-controlled Moscow channel and the pro-Moscow Kiev channel or we would create a cultural environment of our own, underground. Of course, the latter choice was by far the most popular. Not that it was easy. In official stores, only government-sanctioned goods were available for purchase, so radio receivers came without 19 and 25 meter bands to block transmissions of Voice of America and the BBC channels. But where there is a will, there is always a way. There was the black market, occasional trips abroad, And, of course, we could always build our own radios. As well, there were old World War II trophy German radios around, or you could buy good Japanese tape recorders with built-in radios. As I said, we had choices. My hometown of Nikolaev is a seaport, and for me it was a window to the world. The seamen always brought home plenty of vinyl discs from their trips abroad. So, for as long as I can remember, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Deep Purple, Slade, and other prominent names in Western pop culture have been part of my consciousness. The old Union Company Melodia in faraway Moscow, of course, tried to control our musical preferences. It was a useless exercise. The selection in the Moscow-controlled store numbered in the mere hundreds of discs, all naturally carrying the label Melodia. The black market, however, offered thousands upon thousands of discs from all over the world, the United States, the Great Britain, Japan, Taiwan, Malaysia, Spain, France, even socialist countries like Poland, Romania, and the former Yugoslavia. Our local black market had a name, "schod," which means gathering. Schod existed according to its own rules, independent of any authorities. It took place once a week, on Sundays, and it was a sacred dream for music collectors like me but contraband is never cheap. The cost of just three foreign vinyl discs was equal to the monthly salary of an engineer. Therefore, we would copy the discs and share the music. We used ordinary tape recorders, as magnetic tapes were relatively inexpensive and easy to come by. Sometimes we wondered if we were being disloyal to our heritage by embracing foreign culture as we did. But Ukrainian culture was suppressed by Soviet authorities with only fragments remaining. We knew of some Ukrainian singers and songwriters, but they were loyal to the Soviet regime. And, of course, anything or anyone bearing Moscow's stamp of approval held no interest for us. In those days, I was vaguely aware that in western Ukraine, in places like Lviv and Ivano-Frankivsk, Ukrainian culture remained strong. But, unfortunately, those cities were too far away to have any influence on us. Taras Shevchenko, Mykhailo Kutubinsky, Ivan Franko, Ostav Vishnia, Volodymyr Vasyuk, Sofia Taro, and others were, of course, known names to us, but they were only relics of Ukrainian culture, ancient history, throwbacks to the past, all meant to be forgotten. Now, every day it becomes more clear just how much of our cultural heritage is lost to us forever, due both to Soviet oppressors and the purveyors of Western pop culture. At least young people today have more choices and better ones. I hope they choose wisely. I am Serhii Kaznadji in Toronto, Canada. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Victor's Vignettes, stories from the life of Victor Sergeyev in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. You can find Victor's original transcripts and commentary at his blog, Vignettes, Life in Ukraine. For audio archives and links, visit www.nashholos.com So until next time, do Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.